It is the Osmo NFL Tournament Strategy Show on Saturdays, as per usual. I am joined by millionaire maker winner Neil Orfield. The show is sponsored by No House Advantage. We've got an interesting slate here. We've got the season kind of starting to wind down. Playoff races heating up a little bit. Buffalo Bills, the books have not given up on the Buffalo Bills yet. We're still looking at a team that's one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Still one of the favorites to, uh, or Josh Allen's still one of the favorites to win MVP. But in general, the dust is settling a little bit to where we know where some of these teams stand Neil, I, we, we've got a slate in, in this week where it looks like we've got a lot of options. There's a, a lot of parts moving around. We've got a little bit less, less buys here. What stands out to you the most about this weekend? Yeah, I mean, you're right. There, there's a lot of options. We've got a full slate. We haven't really had uh, this many games on a slate in a while. We've got the Chiefs back. That's kind of interesting. Always a, a fun little wrinkle, whether you want to play Patrick Mahomes and his pass catchers. Um, yeah, I think we have a ton of different options, uh, some moving parts with injuries, but it's going to be a fun one. Yeah, and I don't know. I can't get enough of the way that sports books are valuing the Buffalo Bills to where this is still a team that's viewed as one of the best teams in football and where it's also one of these teams where you got Josh Allen, the MVP race. I really do love this matchup, the Buffalo Bills against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And talking about quarterbacks, I do think this is a pretty good starting point because looking at the top stacks tool, which is a free tool to use right now at awesome.com, we've got two of the top stacks in the same game. We've got Tampa Bay right now on DK, 15% chance to be the top stack of the weekend. We've got Buffalo, 13% chance to be a top stack on the weekend. We're looking at two quarterbacks like Josh Allen and Tom Brady that have a lot of fantasy upside. How do you view them as stacks when they're in the same game going against each other and rate out well? I mean, I love it all the more when they're in the same game. There's over a 50 total in this game. Uh, hopefully it's just offensive fireworks throughout because, yeah, these guys going against each other, they could just be putting up massive totals. Um, yeah, I, I, I love both stacks. Um, and, and the fact that they're in the game is certainly a plus for me rather than negative, uh, just because if, if one of them is doing well, the other one's got to be doing well. I guess you can't play them in the same stack, so that's not really a factor. But uh, the fact that you have two explosive offenses certainly increases the chances that this is going to be a high-scoring game and that both of these uh, stacks are going to get there. And do you think that means then when you're actually going to make your lineups and you're evaluating quarterbacks like Tom Brady and Josh Allen, the total is high, and we have these teams rated out so well from stacking purposes. Does it just make it that much more of a priority for you to want to build as many lineups as possible around game stacks of this particular game? Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm going to have, I mean, especially so looking at the boom bust tool, they're both pretty low owned relative to their, our expectations for them. Tom Brady in particular looks outstanding with only 6.7% projected ownership, uh, but a 15.3% chance of being the top stack. He could, you could go to Godwin, you could go to Evans, you could go to Gronk. Um, I'm going to be playing a ton of Brady stacks. I'm going to be, I'm, my, I'm expecting to play well over that 15.3%. Uh, that is his top stack odds. And then Josh Allen, similarly, not, not quite as good as Brady, but still looks great in the top stacks tool. 9.8% projected ownership, but 13.2% top stack odds. Um, like I said, I just think that this game, you know, it could be offensive fireworks. Josh Allen, you compare him with Diggs, you compare him with Beasley, pair him with Emmanuel Sanders. I think that they're all going to be viable. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited about playing this game. How about you? Yeah, it's hard for me to not like it a whole bunch when you look at the, the top stacks. So for instance, it's almost 30% of the time that one of these teams ends up being the top stack of the slate. And then also there aren't that many games with high totals. Just looking at it right now, the total in this game has been bet up to 54 points. 
The next highest total on the slate we've got Cincinnati, San Francisco now at 48 and a half. That was a total that was at 49 and a half just a couple of days ago. Then you've got Chiefs Raiders at 48. We've got Washington, Dallas at 48. We've got a whole bunch of games this weekend, 41, 42, 43 point totals. Not that many spots that look super appealing to me. This is one that that certainly does. Now, the Chiefs individually are a team that do have a really high total. So I think that when we're talking about pay-up quarterbacks in the same vein as Josh Allen or, or as Tom Brady, I think we have to include Patrick Mahomes in the mix. Now, this Chiefs offense hasn't been quite as good as we've seen in previous years, but some fluke circumstances have been a lot of tip balls that have led to interceptions for Patrick Mahomes. For Patrick Mahomes. And if you do look in our top stacks tool, the only team with a better chance of being the top stack on slate than Buffalo and Tampa Bay is the Kansas City Chiefs. We're looking at a 16% chance to be the top scoring team against, against Las Vegas. So where does Patrick Mahomes fit into the QB picture for you relative to guys like Brady and Allen? Yeah, I mean, I really like Mahomes on this slate too. Um, the game is expected to be almost 50 points. Uh, the total is one of the highest on the slate. Um, Patrick Mahomes looks great, only protect for 5.7% ownership with 16% top stack odds. I think that you, you probably don't want to do a double stack with uh, Hill and Kelsey just because it gets way too expensive if you're playing all of those three together. I think I'm, a, I'm more likely to do single stacks with Mahomes than I am with Josh Allen or Brady, um, but I still think that I'll get there plenty. How about you? Do, do you have any opinion on whether you would do double stacks with Mahomes? Or are you going to try to force that in there or maybe go with one of the cheaper options? What, what are you doing with the Mahomes stacks? So here's the issue. If you try to make double stack with Patrick Mahomes with the current salary concerns, and who knows, maybe we get that Adam Schefter tweet that comes out at midnight tonight and a bunch of guys get ruled out and it opens up all kinds of value. But if you are making lineups that are with, that are double stacks with Patrick Mahomes, you'll find the fantasy crunch will just force you to players that you don't want to roster. You'll end up with like, oh, look, I have a bunch of like Byron Pringle or something like that. If you go single stack, you're just going to get Patrick Mahomes about 60% uh, uh, Tyree Kill, 40% Travis Kelsey, somewhere around there. That was my experience making lineups yesterday when I did my top stack show that it was Matt Savoca. But then if you go back and you make those double stacks, you just get to these plays that I just don't think are, are very good or high upside wide receiver plays. So for salary constraint reasons, as of now, my preference is single stacks. If we get more value that opens up, then I think double stacks become more viable. And is it the same for you with, with Josh Allen and Tom Brady? Or do you think because they have uh, cheaper secondary options? I guess uh, Josh Allen's secondary options are a little bit better than Tom Brady's. Are you going to be doing single stacks with either of them? Or do you think you're going to be doing more double stacks? So Josh Allen has so much rushing upside and ability to run the football in himself that I think it's pretty reasonable to think like, hey, Josh Allen throws for 280 yards and a touchdown, and then he rushes for one or two more. So I don't necessarily think it's necessary to make double stack with Josh Allen. I do for Tom Brady, but Patrick Mahomes also has rushing upside. But with Tom Brady, he's so reliant on throwing the ball to his wide receivers. And uh, I think Brashad Perriman is a viable cheap option. He's min-priced on DK and he's somebody I don't mind working into some of those stacks. But because I think the, the path to the optimal lineup for Tom Brady is him throwing for 350 yards and three or four touchdowns, I kind of think you have to double stack him just because if Tom Brady goes off, I kind of think it's inevitable that multiple of his pass catchers go off. Yeah, I mean, my best ball teams would certainly love it if this is a Brashad Perriman <laughs> week in the last week of the regular season. Yeah, I mean, so my, my only thing with double stacking, forcing in there, um, I, I think that you're right that it's definitely more likely. But is there any reason that Tom Brady can't just throw three touchdowns to Mike Evans and, and get there to one receiver only? Um, that, that's my only hesitation. And I know that most pros do double stack, so it probably is is the right approach. But uh, that, that's my only hesitation. I that I, The reason that I do more single stacks is because it's not – totally necessary 
Uh, it's not necessarily necessarily going to be the case that if Tom Brady gets there, multiple receivers are going to get there because he can just throw to one receiver for three touchdowns and 160 yards. Um, but but I do see your point that it's certainly a lot more likely. And, um, you know, we're, we're trying to build in some correlations here. So it probably does make sense to do double stacks there. Yeah, If Tom Brady had the ability to score fantasy points in any way other than just throwing the football, I would say yes. But he, he doesn't. He has no rushing upside whatsoever. He might get a QB sneak for two yards here and there or, or half a yard. But to me, I think he's very reliant on that pocket passing. And that kind of makes me think that it's hard for me to envision a scenario where he ends up being optimal and only one of his pass catchers ends up being optimal. So personally, I will be forcing double stacks with Tom Brady, not as much with uh, Patrick Mahomes and, and Josh Allen just because of their rushing upside. But looking at some of the other quarterbacks on the slate, we do have cheaper guys that do have a ton of rushing upside, most notably Taysom Hill and Cam Newton. These are guys that I certainly don't think we need to be double stacking, uh, especially not Taysom Hill because the odds of two of his receivers go off. That seems very slim. But how are you handling guys like Taysom Hill and Cam Newton, who the odds of these teams having top stacks are not very high, but individually these are cheap quarterbacks with so much rushing upside? Yeah, so this is an interesting one because these are guys that I would have loved a few weeks ago, but as I've been focusing more and more on top stacks rather than the individual quarterbacks, they don't look as great from that perspective in the largest field tournaments. So I think, so Taysom Hill, 11.8% projected ownership, 21.4% boom probability, 19.8% optimal lineup probability. That obviously looks incredible in a vacuum. That's the kind of guy that I want to get to at any other position. But if you're trying to get to the top of a large field tournament, you really need to put up a ceiling score. And usually you're going to want at least one wide receiver, one, one pass catcher to come along with your quarterback. And Taysom Hill, we're seeing 1.6% top stack odds. So that's so low. Um, it, it makes it tough for me to want to play a ton of him to play over the field um, in, in a large field tournament, which is what I am playing generally. So I think that I'm probably going to be close to the field with Taysom Hill. I still do want to play him um, because he has those great boom bust odds. Uh, I'll probably be playing Taysom Hill by himself a lot. Maybe I'll hope that he finally starts passing to Elvin Kamara a little bit more. Um, but I do think that this is these are the kind of players that in a smaller field tournament, if it's, you know, 5,000 or less, maybe they become a little bit more viable because you don't need to put up quite the same ceiling score. Um, do you think you're going to be playing Taysom and, and Cam Newton a lot this weekend? Taysom Hill, yes. Cam Newton, maybe a little bit less so. There's so much rushing upside with Taysom Hill, and he could suck from a quarterback perspective and literally do shit throwing the football and still have a really big fantasy game. We've seen that from him in the past. I'll pull up some of his box scores from last year while I'm talking through this. and. He had these games last year where he oh, – so here, here's one of the games, for instance. He had a game he threw for 78 yards, but he had two rushing touchdowns as a starting quarterback. That would be something that would be a pretty decent enough result from a fantasy perspective relative to his price point, but none of his rec receivers are going to do well in that scenario. His first start that he ever had as a quarterback last year, he threw 23 passes, only at 233 yards, no passing touchdowns but he rushed for 51 yards and two touchdowns. So if you're getting 25 and a half fantasy points at a Taysom Hill, like we got that game, I think you're kind of going to need exposure to him in tournaments and you don't want him with any of his pass catchers in that kind of situation. So I'm really looking at Taysom Hill where I don't want him paired with Alvin Kamara. I know you mentioned before, he didn't throw to Kamara at all last year. Pretty big concern for me with Alvin Kamara's fantasy potential going forward. But Taysom Hill is so much upside. He's, he's a homeless man's Lamar Jackson in terms of his ability to put up fantasy points on the ground, although the red zone touches are really high for him, but he's just not going to throw the ball all that effectively. 
So I'm probably going to be playing Taysom Hill naked in the lineups I play him, and then it's just going to be a, a points per dollar best projected lineups type scenario. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I think that I'm kind of probably going to be on the same boat. Yeah, and it's it's just hard for me to reliably look at his uh, potential passing upside. Now, here's somebody who is – I want to get your take on because I'm really intrigued by him, and I'm not really sure what to make of Russell Wilson. He's coming off that finger injury, and he's looked terrible. The Seahawks have looked terrible since he came back. Frankly, they haven't. They didn't look any, any better with Russell Wilson, at quarterback, than they did with Geno Smith. But we look at that Russell Wilson. He's fairly cheap. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. DK Metcalf in particular, a little bit of a pricing discount. I think there's a lot of upside in Russell Wilson. Maybe something that echoes that is if you do go over to Odd Shopper and you look at our best projected NFL player prop bets this week, we have Russell Wilson projected for 280 passing yards. His number at Sportsbooks is over under 239 and a half. So in general, it seems we're a little bit higher on Russell Wilson than the majority of the public seems to be. How much worry do you have about his recent form? And do you think he still has that kind of upside in a matchup against the Houston Texans? Yeah, I mean, I, I have concerns about it, but I also think I, w- when we're that much higher than the field is on a player, I like that because it means that we can get different by playing that player. Um, Houston, they're, they're not as bad against the pass as I want them to be. They're actually sixth in pass DVOA this year uh, per football outsiders, at where, whereas they're 28th against the rush. So they're a little bit of a rush funnel. Um, so I don't love that, but I do think that Russell Wilson still has the upside uh, so I'm, I think I'm going to get there plenty just because the tools really love him and other sites, uh, they might not be leading people to Russell Wilson. So that's the kind of spot that I kind of like to target where we, where we can get a little bit different by playing somebody. We have Russell Wilson at 4.6% projected ownership. That's pretty low for Russell Wilson at 6,600, 9.4% top stack odds. You've got DK, you've got Tyler Lockett. They both look great in the tools. So I think I'm going to be getting well over, probably over 10% Russell Wilson um, and just hope that he is, you know, getting right at this point. Yes, we've hit on those are really my favorite quarterback plays that I think I'm going to mostly be building around Then other guys kind of mixed in. But Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Taysom Hill, and then Russell Wilson really is my contrarian option. What else are you looking at as as quarterbacks, as players you want to get to or teams you're looking to stack? Yeah, I think so. I agree that those are the main guys for me. I think that I'll also be getting to some Dak. I think Dak looks pretty good at 5% projected ownership with 7.1% top stack odds. Um, his receivers are healthy at this point, so I think I'm going to be playing some Dak. Um, maybe a little bit of Derek Carr. He doesn't look that great in the tools. Uh, yeah, Taylor Heineke, again, looks great in the boom bust tool, not as good in the top stacks tool. Maybe I'll play a little bit of Taylor Heineke in uh, that matchup against the Cowboys at 5,500. I could see that game being kind of a shootout. Um, you don't really know because Dallas's defense has been pretty good this year, but Washington's defense we thought was good coming into the year and hasn't looked as good. So who knows what's going to happen in that game? Sometimes those are situations where where I just don't know what to expect. Sometimes I like to take advantage and play uh, some players in those games. Um, I think Matt Ryan I'll be getting to a little bit against the Panthers. He he's one. Uh, he looks good in the boom bust tool, not as good in the top stacks tool, but 1.1% projected ownership for Matt Ryan. At 5,300 is a little bit enticing to me. So I think I'll play probably over that 1.1% projected ownership, but uh, I'm not going to be going overboard. So I think that I'm basically on the same page with you that uh, the guys we talked about, the the three expensive guys um, and Russell Wilson are and Taysom Hill are the most interesting to me. And maybe this is a controversial or hot take. I think Matt Ryan's played fairly well this year when I watched him play. He just has zero chance ever. Calvin Ridley's out. 
And his offensive line is terrible. So just every play, he has almost no chance to make anything happen. I've seen him make a lot of good throws this year. And, you know, whatever, it's the it's the eye test. It's hard to really put too much stock into that from time to time. But it's still the Falcons' offense. I think Matt Ryan is still a capable quarterback. He just has no help there. So, you know, who knows in a, a game against a struggling team, maybe could get it back together. Anything else at the quarterback position that we should be talking about here? I don't think so. I think we've pretty much covered who I'm going to be playing. All right, then without further ado, let's get into the uh, Hall of Fame here, Chris, if you don't mind pulling that up. And Neil Orfield, who's multiple times been inducted into the awesome Hall of Fame. Some might say that Neil himself is a first ballot Hall of Famer because that's what we've got this, this show built around here is that Neil won, uh, won a Millie Maker and, and we've got this show now with him doing tournament strategy. And uh, Chris, do you have the, the Hall of Fame running right now? I can't see it on the screen. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to talk through it, and I'm going to go through my my slideshow that I have in front of me and pull up some of the the ones here. We've got Swiper, who uh, big day for Swiper actually in in the same night. Looks like he had a second place finish for fifty thousand dollars, twenty five thousand, six thousand. Pretty good night. He uh, he didn't at me on this one, but it's okay. We'll we'll let him we'll let him slide on that. But congratulations on him being inducted into Hall of Fame. We've got some other big winners in here as well. We've got DJ Hooper. He had a big night the other day. We've got our own guy, uh, Eddie, who uh, what's it? Uh, Eighteen hundred Eddie. He had a six figure win the other day in NBA. And if you guys are looking to be nominated into the Awesome Hall of Fame, here's a couple of things you need to do. Download the Awesomeo profile pick, which you could do at awesomeo.com slash avatar. When you win, tweet me, tweet the Awesome Hall of Fame. You could tweet Neil, which we've had some people that have won money on the show. And it's always nice when people say, hey, I watched the show. It really helped me in my process. I appreciate it. Always really cool to see. So tweet your wins at us. Tweet at Awesomeo Hall of Fame. And if you do all that, you can win a free month of Awesomeo Plus Platinum. Just win some money at DFS. If you have a top finish in a tournament, tweet at Awesome Hall of Fame and we'll shout you out on a show and we'll uh, share it on Twitter. So congratulations to all of our new Hall of Fame inductees and uh, we hope to see you again. All right, let's head on over to the running back position. And last week was where I really felt the slate was made or broken. We had all those value running backs, Neil, that you and I liked last week at running back and uh, last week was one of my better weeks of the season, and a lot of it had to do with some of the stances we had at running back. And I think that we could go right back to the position and look at some of the chalk and find out which players are over, are over-owned or under-owned. One thing that stands out to me, and already I'm seeing people mention Leonard Fournette in the chat. I like Leonard Fournette in general. For tournaments, I'm going to be underweight to the field on Leonard Fournette. And one of the other things about Tom Brady, how you and I both like Tampa Bay sacks, I love the leverage that we're getting on Tampa Bay stacks of the past game off of Leonard Fournette. It's not to say that Leonard Fournette wouldn't be a good cash game play, but in tournaments, I just think he's being over-owned. We haven't projected for 20% ownership on DraftKings. On FanDuel, we have Leonard Fournette projected for 23% ownership. We have his odds of being in the optimal lineup in the teens. I think he's worth being in the player pool. I want to be underway to him. I'm going to get leverage with the, with the passing game for Tampa Bay. What are you doing with Leonard Fournette? Yeah, I mean, I'm doing the same thing. It's funny how quickly the Bills have gone from like nobody was going to play Jonathan Taylor against the Bills defense three weeks ago. I, I don't know how long ago that was. Not too long ago. People were really afraid of this Bills defense. Now it's kind of flipped. People are like, I want to play running backs against the Bills. Uh, but yeah, if Leonard Fournette's coming in at 20% ownership, I'm going to be underweight to the field on Leonard Fournette. And that's a good point because I like playing uh, the Buccaneers 
pass catchers and play in that stack, I think that is great leverage against Leonard Fournette. And like you said, I'm not going to be fully fading Leonard Fournette. We do have him at 16.3% chance of being in the optimal lineup on DraftKings. That's pretty high. You still want to have some of a player like that, most likely. Um, but yeah, I'm probably going to be underweight to the field. I'm probably going to be underweight to that optimal lineup percentage as well. Yeah, and once again, that, that Leonard Fournette number, we like the Tampa Bay passing game. There's obvious leverage to be had. Now, another running back who is going to be really popular, but I want to be overweight to the field on, is Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler plays a massive role in both the passing game and the running game. We have a 25% chance to be in the optimal lineup on FanDuel. On DK, we have him with a 26% chance to be in the optimal lineup. I think that Austin Eckler is the best payup option on the slate at any position. Is that crazy to say? Man, off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody who's clearly better. So, yeah, certainly not crazy to say I'm going to be playing a lot of Austin Eckler. Like you said, 26% chance of being optimal is enormous. Um, so I imagine I'll be getting to a lot. The Giants are 31st in rush DVOA. Um, you love that for Eckler. He can catch a ton of balls, uh, which is you know great on both sites, especially DK. He's just not too expensive. 8,300. Usually we have running backs in the 9,000, 9,500 range. Um, he's the most expensive, but he's only 8,300. So yeah, I, I love Austin Eckler today against the Giants as well. Yeah, and then something else to point out when it comes to Austin Eckler is there's no Keenan Allen right now for, for, for the Chargers. And you wouldn't generally think of running back benefits from that, but he's so involved in the passing game. It opens up a lot of target share. I tend to think that Mike Williams and Austin Eckler both get more looks in the passing game from the absence of Keenan Allen. So that's something else that I think makes him look a little bit more favorable. Uh, and looking at some of these other running backs here, I, I think we have to have a discussion about Javante Williams because Melvin Gordon, I don't know that we've gotten a real firm official update on Melvin Gordon. Last, last I saw that he's listed as questionable. He said he believes he will play. He's optimistic, but players always overestimate their own availability or health. We see all the time where players like, hey, I'm good to go. And then, they ultimately end up that not that ends up not being the case. But Javante Williams looks so good the last time we saw the Broncos play. Do you think we could see him play a larger role on offense, even if Melvin Gordon is in? Certainly. Yeah, I definitely think that it's possible. I mean, they're going to want to get Javante Williams more involved anyway. He is their long-term plan. I think he, he should be their long-term plan. He looks really good. Now they're playing the Lions, so I'm willing to take the shot that they are going to try to get him more involved. If Melvin Gordon is a go, I'll probably play some of him as well. Um, they're, they're both, yeah, I agree with you. It's sort of an interesting kind of difficult spot because Javante Williams is obviously what we want to happen. We want to see Javante Williams just take over at this point. He's more fun to watch, uh, but we don't know if that's going to happen. So currently our tools say 16.3% projected ownership for Javante Williams, 13.9% optimal, 8.8% boom probability. That is negative leverage, but it is a spot where nobody really knows what's going to happen. That's, I mean, it's all, it's all guesswork for anybody in the industry at this point. Um, so I think that Javante Williams is, if you want to play Javante Williams, take that bet. I think that that is a fine thing to do. I also think it's fine if you want to take the bet that Melvin Gordon is going to be plenty involved. They could both be great against the Lions. It's just a bad defense. They could put up a lot of points. They're both under 6,000. So I, I'm going to be playing some of both Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, assuming they're both healthy, healthy. If Melvin Gordon is out, I think Javante Williams is probably going to be a smash play. That's going to be a spot where you're probably going to want to pay attention to the shows tomorrow to see kind of how the ownership projections change uh, according, accordingly. Yeah, great matchup for him against the Detroit Lions as well. So it's a spot where certainly if Melvin Gordon is out, he kind of becomes a no-brainer play. But even if Melvin Gordon's in, 
I kind of think we're going to start to see this team. If I mean, if Vic Fangio didn't didn't like what he saw last week from Javante Williams, then I think he's just out of his mind. If he's going back to Melvin Gordon in quite the same role, but Williams looked really good last week. I have to think he's going to be playing a substantial role no matter what. Now, another running back who is rating out really well for us is Saquon Barkley. I, I just don't feel comfortable with it, though. I get that Saquon Barkley individually is still kind of viewed as an elite fantasy running back. But frankly, he sucked this year, and he's not looked nearly as explosive as he, ha- as he has in the past. We also have the Giants' offense is so banged up right now. They're playing Mac, uh, Mike Lennon at quarterback. There's only been two games this year where Saquon Barkley has scored over 20 DraftKings points, but I know you do like the boom bust when he does rate out well there. Do you have any reservations about Saquon Barkley, or are you just looking at the positive leverage and running with it? Yeah, I think I'm mostly looking at the positive leverage and running with it. I understand your reservations because he hasn't been that great this year. Um, we we kind of it's kind of a show me spot. I mean, and and this week of all of any week, if Saquon Barkley is going to go off, he's six thousand this week, um, lowest price. It's about as low as I think that we have ever seen on Saquon Barkley. It might be the lowest price we've seen. Um, he's playing against the Chargers, who are thirty second in rush DVOA, so worst worst in the league against the rush. So you love that. Uh, you love the price tag and the boom bust tool bears it out 15.2% projected ownership with a 21.7% optimal lineup probability. That's just, I, that's juicy. I'm going to be probably over that 21.7% depending on how injury news breaks out. But if everything stands, it is right now, I think I'll be probably over that number on Saquon Barkley. Yeah. And I mean, once again, he, he does rate out well on our tools, but I, I do I do definitely have reservations about the Giants' overall ability to do anything on offense with with Mike Lennon at quarterback and and also just a shitty offensive line. It's been problematic for the Giants to do anything good at, at any point in the season. Uh, a little bias on my part, too, because my dad's a massive Giants fan. He's disappointed basically every Sunday because even the games they win are not fun to watch, and they're really crappy football games. So other running backs, something that I really was curious to pick your brain about, what are you doing with the Detroit Lions running back situation? Because we had a, we had a spot where, hey, DeAndre Swift, he looks like a guy that, that we really wanted to get to at one point. Now it looks like he's going to be out of the picture for a little bit. Then it's like Jamal Williams. Now he's out of the picture. Are we turning to Jamar Jefferson here as a value option? I was thinking Godwin Igwebuike was my, was my number one. Uh, I think I'm <laughs> going to have to kind of watch the news throughout the next day to figure out who I want to play there. But yeah, I think that I'm going to have some, probably of both of them. I don't know who the number one is going to be. Um, my, my inclination was Godwin was going to be the guy I was going to go to, but you think, does Jamar Jefferson have the upper hand? I, I don't know how to read the situation currently. I'm, I'm going to be kind of following the news, but my expectation is I'm going to be playing both of them, some, maybe one of them a lot. I think I'm going to have to kind of follow the tools here. Do you have any kind of inclination one way or the other? Well, I look at it this way. Jamar Jefferson has been on the roster and is taken snaps this year. In fact, we've actually seen him score double-digit fantasy points in two of the last three games he's played in. Godwin Iguabuke, who are we? Are we? I have no clue if we're, not, if we're pronouncing his name correctly or not. I apologize to the Iguabuke family, but uh, he's not somebody who's been on our radar for this entire season because he hasn't been on the Lions roster and hasn't been playing snaps. Just the fact that Jamar Jefferson, and but this is a very low bar, the fact that Jamar Jefferson has had five, three, and two carries in the last three times he's been active, where whereas uh, Iguabuki is not, that just makes me think that Jefferson's going to be the guy because he's already been ahead of him on the depth chart. Okay, yeah, that's probably a, a fair assumption. Now I'm regretting that I picked up Godwin Iguabuki in my uh, in my keeper league. That was a, probably a big mistake on my 
on my part, but um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow the tools. Is is uh, the bottom line here? I think that one of them is probably gonna look like a solid play. I don't think that either of them is gonna be Sony Michelle from last week. I don't think they're gonna be slam dunks against the Broncos defense in the Detroit offense. I think, but they're I think they're gonna be solid plays. Um, so I'm probably gonna have some of both. Yeah, and it is something that I think we need more information from a reporter who isn't Ian Rappaport to tell us, hey, here's what we're expecting from a usage standpoint. And if we do get that Sunday morning text from Ian Rappaport, understand that probably the opposite is going to yeah, happen. Just do the opposite, usually, exactly. Yeah, just whatever, whatever he does. If, if he says that, you know, Jamar Jefferson is going to uh, take a backseat role, he's going to be the workhorse for them. It's, it's the inevitability of Ian Rappaport's Sunday morning tweets. Now, let's hit on this 49ers running back situation, which – isn't quite as messy as the Detroit Lions situation, but it's pretty damn close. We have for the for the San Francisco 49ers, Eli Mitchell, he is not going to be playing this weekend. Trey Sermon's out as well. So now we've got Jeff Wilson and Jamichael Hasty, both of them extremely cheap. For me personally, I'm leaning towards Hasty. My current builds just because we haven't projected higher. But I think both of them warrant consideration in kind of the same way as the Lions situation where, hey, everybody's out. We've got these two backs active. They're both cheap. Uh, what are you going to be doing with these guys? Yeah, again, I'm, I'm going to be following the tools. I don't really know exactly. Uh, but Jamichael Hasty is cheaper. He projects better. I think I'm probably with you that I'm going to play a little bit more Jamichael Hasty than Jeff Wilson. Uh, I'm going to be kind of just paying attention to where the ownership projections come out at tomorrow. Because um, I don't think that we have, I don't think we have updated ownership projections there. So I'm going to be following those, but I think that they're both going to look like fine plays. I mean, Jeff Wilson has had explosive weeks in the past. We know he has it in and put up a big week if he can stay on the field. Um, and he's 4,400 against the Bengals, who have been above average this year against the run. But I think uh, I, th I think the 49ers are a good enough offense that they can still do it against the Bengals defense. So I like both of them. Similar to the Lions, I don't really have a strong stand one way or the other. I think I'm going to be playing both of them just because they're they're so cheap. And I think one of them is likely to do well. Um, but again, I don't think it's anything close to what we had last week with Sony Michelle. I think they're both going to be solid options. Maybe one of them will be a good option. I don't think either of them is going to be like a must play, but I think I'll get to some of both. All right. And by the way, we do have who knows if, if, uh, if Cutler commentary is a uh, color commentary is correct in the YouTube chat, but he did say that he got out of bed just to correct us. It is Igwe Buike. We were, I think, I think is, exactly is that not what I said? Is, is that not what we said? I don't even, I don't even remember, but I'm taking a victory lap anyway. It's the, it's the same thing. So the, the other day I was doing NBA live before lock and I didn't hear any, I didn't hear something Eric said. And I was just steadfast and be like, no, Eric was wrong. I was right. And just chat agreed with me. Even because I was really confident about it. I had no clue that and I think he was right, but yeah, I just say it with I didn't back down. So yeah, yeah. We we absolutely pronounced that uh, that name correctly. Igwe Buike. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so as as for the 49ers situation, I'm just gonna like whoever starts more. And maybe it's Jeff Wilson, maybe it's Hasty. As of right now, we have Hasty projected higher. If Jeff Wilson starts, I wouldn't be surprised. We've seen him have games of 10 carries and 19 mm -hmm. carries this year. Just need more information. I think they're pretty interchangeable. Whoever starts is a better value play. They're fairly close in price point. So we'll uh, we'll see how that shakes out. Any other running backs to you that are really pivotal for the slate? Um, I think we should talk about Elvin Kamara just because he's mm -hmm. going to be really popular. He is playing the Jets, um, but Taysom Hill is kind of what's holding him back. So he actually looks really negative in the tools. I'm not going to have a ton of Elvin Kamara, but um, it's, I think that this is a case where I'm going to be not too far under the field i'll probably be under the field because the tools don't like him but we haven't projected for 15.6 percent uh ownership 
5.3% boom probability, 8.3% optimal lineup probability. I don't want to get to a ton of Elvin Kamara, especially because we like Austin Eckler so much, but I think that I'll probably be close to that 8% number, uh, maybe 10% Elvin Kamara. I think that he's worth taking some shots on. Um, I'm still yeah, concerned it, about his work in the passing game. It was, it was, yeah. it was just, it was just non-existent last year when we saw Taysom Hill starting a quarterback. There was there was just games where Alvin Kamara two targets in the passing game, three targets, one catch, two catches, and he's gotten more work in the rushing game at times this year. But at his kind of salary on Fanduel and DraftKings, it's hard to really think he has a massive amount of upside when he's not getting work in the passing game, especially when you consider that with Taysom Hill at quarterback, the design plays in the red zone are going to be to Taysom Hill. I think that Taysom Hill is more touchdown equity than Alvin Kamara, just because it's what we've seen in the past when Taysom Hill is on the field. Think how many times we've seen Alvin Kamara vultured by Taysom Hill when Taysom Hill wasn't even the starting quarterback. It's it's just hard for me to really view Alvin Kamara favorably. I get the massive, the matchup is good. If he goes off, I'm probably going to be drawing dead this week, but I'm going to be looking elsewhere. Uh, is are, are you expecting any sort of change in the passing game from him, or is it just, hey, it's Alvin Kamara in a good matchup? Yeah, just Alvin Kamara in a good matchup. I mean, my hope is that they just don't get into the red zone. He just does it from, you know, the 50 yard line could happen against the jets defense. They're pretty bad against both the rush and the pass. Um, maybe they make some changes, but I, I don't know if we have any indication that they're going to start passing to him more. That's just kind of wishful thinking. So yeah, I think it's mostly just hope that he gets to hundred yards on the ground um, and a couple touchdowns, which is possible. But yeah, you, like you say, Taysom Hill is such a vulture there that, is probably unlikely, which is why I am going to be under the field. Um, I'm just, I'm not going to fully fade Elvin Kamara against the Jets. Um, I think I'm going to have some there, um, just not going overboard. What do you think about uh, Chuba Hubbard and Amir Abdullah against the Falcons? Do you have any interest in playing either of them? I think I have some interest in both um, just because of the matchup. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is out. I think they're both sort of interesting to me. Do you have, do you have any interest in either of them? Uh, we have Hubbard projected for 2% ownership. It's not a hard number to be overweight to field on. Does that mean I want to get to like 10, 15, 20%? No, probably not. But will he be in my player pool? Yeah, most likely. Uh, I'm actually a little, I think the, the guy in this 5K range I'm most interested in is Dontrell Hilliard. I really like the matchup that Tennessee has against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Hilliard showed some pretty big play upside in that matchup against the, the New England Patriots. And think about how good the Patriots defense has, has been this year. Hilliard ran all over them. He had that one long touchdown run. I think that that is the guy in the 5K price range at low ownership that I want to be getting to as opposed to these guys. Uh, do you have any kind of strong opinion on him? Yeah, so I, I was about to bring up the Titans okay. running backs, both Hill, Hilliard and uh, Deontay Foreman. Because Deontay Foreman looks like the better play in our tools. So it sounds like you are more interested in Hilliard. Do you think that Hilliard is probably the better option of the two of them? Um, and I I have no reason to dispute that. The, the tools like Foreman a little bit better, but they both look great in the tools. We have Hilliard project for 1.4% ownership with a 5.3% optimal lineup probability. That's great. Deontay Foreman looks even slightly better with 1.6% projected ownership, 9.7% optimal lineup probability. So they both look great. Um, I think that they're definitely... Uh, interesting plays. And I agree with you. I'm probably more likely to get to them. I'll probably have more of both of them actually than Chuba Hubbard. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm at is I like the spot for the Titans uh, running game. And, you know, there's this narrative that the Titans offense is totally falling apart without, uh, without Derrick Henry, 
but it's not that that's been the issue. The issue is that Tannehill just sucks right now. They had that game against the Patriots. Hilliard ran for 131 yards. Foreman ran for 109 yards, and they just kept turning the ball over. This wasn't a case where they were where their offense looked pitiful against the Patriots. Patriots are one of the best defense in the league, and the Titans ran all over them. Then they would just get down into the red zone, and Ryan Tannehill threw an interception in the end zone. They also had fumbled the ball a couple of times. So that's really what I think the main issue has been, is just that Ryan Tannehill has been miserable this season. I'm not concerned about the run game without Derrick Henry. I think it's still been terrific. So uh, obviously having, there's no offensive line that can make Adrian Peterson look good. That was, that was an issue in hindsight, but Hilliard and, and Foreman individually, I think both weren't more than 1% ownership. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. Also, I want to give you some props for being able to read chat while doing the show. Cause I'm trying to do it today and I just cannot keep up with <laughs> like trying to focus on the show and doing chat at the same time. It's the first time I'm trying to like keep up with chat and I just, I can't even respond to it. So <laughs> kudos to you really well done there. I'm probably gonna have to get it up on my screen, probably easier if I can get it on my computer rather than my phone, but man, it's tough. So here's, here's the way to do it. You have to go into YouTube and pop out the chat. And then you get the chat as a separate box. We'll, we'll talk about it afterwards. I'll show you how to do it. But yeah, right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm used to it now because, you know, shows and I've got to look for super chats and all that. And I've got a bunch of screens in front of me. So th- there's ways to do it. We'll, we'll talk about it after. Uh, right. But any other, any, any other running backs here that are, that are of, of massive importance to you? Not massive importance. I think uh, both of the Browns running backs, you know, we've talked about in the past, uh, good players in bad matchups are sometimes a place where you can find contrarian plays. I think that both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt look fine today against the Ravens. Um, They're not high priorities for me, but I'm probably going to get to some of both of them. But yeah, I don't think that I see anybody else that I'm really super interested right now. All right. So let's head on over to the running, to the uh, wide receivers. But first, I want to shout out our sponsor of the show, No House Advantage, who are bringing a different way to play daily fantasy sports, doing it with player prop contests. And it's still DFS, so there's still GPPs. There's still a structured prize scoring where you you pick props. And by the way, there's a ton of props to pick over on prize picks, over over on No House Advantage, over 500 of them in total. And we have free projections you can do is over on awesomeo.com. And what you do with No House Advantage, you're filling out a player prop card, a conference interval of 1 to 10. The prop you're most confident in, you give it a 10-point play. Second most confident, 9-point play. If you get your 10-point prop, you get 10 points. So that's how the scoring works. And still, tournaments, whoever's prop card scores the most points, they win first place. And there are some pretty significant size contests that are running over at No House Advantage now. And if you're signing up for the first time, use the promo code AWESOME. Get up to a $25 bonus on your first deposit. And don't forget that we have free projections you could use over on AWESOME.com to help you find the best props on the site. Uh, So let's head on over to the wide receiver position. And first, let's talk about Mike Williams, because there's been a little bit of confusion when it comes to Mike Williams. Keenan Allen is out. He's in the COVID protocol. We have... Mike Williams is a close contact to Keenan Allen. However, he tested negative for COVID and the expectation is he's going to be able to be cleared to play. So that was something that was a little bit of confusion early in the YouTube chat that I wanted to clear up. For all intents and purposes, we're going to assume that Mike Williams plays right now because I'm hosting and I said so. So Mike Williams is, Mike Williams is playing, right? I am now the, uh, I'm now Roger Goodell. Assuming Mike Williams is in without Keenan Allen, what kind of expectation do you have for him? My expectation is that I'm going to have a lot of Mike Williams. He's only 6,000 as a number one receiver against the Giants. Uh, They like to pass the ball. We've got him at 16.4% projected ownership, 
22.8% optimal line of probability, 20.9% boom probability. It's possible that the ownership comes up to the point that we don't want to play him because right now I think, you know, we've been dealing with people not really knowing what the situation is. So it could be that Mike Williams ownership gets up to 30%. And at that point he'd be negative leverage. Um, so I think it's kind of a wait and see kind of spot where we need to see where the ownership is at tomorrow. Um, but currently, I mean, he, he looks like a great play uh, from an optimal lineup perspective either way. It's just possible that he becomes negative leverage where I would want to be under the field as opposed to right now, if he stays at 16, 17% ownership, I'm going to want to be well over that. I'd probably be up to like 30% Mike Williams or something like that. Um, so yeah, for me, it's a wait and see spot, but he obviously just from a pure raw points perspective um, looks, looks like a really solid play. Do you think you're going to be getting to a lot of Mike Williams? Absolutely. Right now in the current build I have, he is my most rostered player. And now as we're talking through this slate, I kind of like Justin Herbert more just from a standpoint of if I like a lot of Mike Williams, if I like a lot of Austin Eckler, I might as well like a lot of Justin Herbert. So I think I'm going to have to circle back and kind of amend on that, that I'm, I'm going to be upping my exposure to, to Justin Herbert. Something I like about doing the show with you is I, I never have, and I know you don't either. I don't know what my final lineups are on Saturday morning, but I, I really do talk to you and kind of work it out verbally as we're going through. And so something I've just landed on, just thinking about it logically, getting to more Justin Herbert makes sense considering that I'm going to be liking Mike Williams. Austin Eckler is going to score a lot of his fantasy points, I believe, in the passing game. So I'd circle back on that and say Justin Herbert's starting to look better to me. But yeah, Mike so, Williams is, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, can I interject? So that was the, the one thing that I was actually trying to comment on earlier in chat is I was trying to at somebody who had brought up Justin Herbert. And I was going to say, he actually looks pretty solid in the top stack. So we've got him at over 10% top stack odds. I think it's slight negative leverage, but I actually, yeah, I agree with you. I like Justin Herbert um, as well to some extent. He's just not a huge priority for me, but he does look pretty solid. Um, I guess my question would be, so are you, do you think you'll be doing Justin Herbert double stacks? And if so, do you think that you will include Austin Eckler in that pool for double stacks? 100%. We've seen Austin okay. Eckler have double-digit target games. And then you also consider that Keenan Allen's going to be out of the mix. He's basically an extension of the wide receiver position. There's three guys I'm really expecting to be getting targets. That's Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, and Jared Cook, who's been a tight end option I've gotten to quite a bit this year. All three of them are pass-catching options I really like from the Chargers. Nice. Okay. I think we're on the same page there. All right. So, yeah. So, the Chargers, I think that's going to be a team I'm looking to build around as we talk through it. So another thing that really stands out to me, we talked about liking Russell Wilson as a contrarian option. Two of the more positively leveraged receivers we have in the boom bust tool, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Now, historically, these guys have always been negatively, they've been uh, negatively correlated in terms of we don't usually see 100, 100 plus yards out of both these guys' touchdowns. Usually Russell Wilson locks onto one or the other. And we see, you know, 150 yards and three touchdowns from Tyler Lockett, almost nothing from DK Metcalf, and then vice versa on any other given week. But given the relatively cheap price points for these guys, 6,700 for Lockett on DK, 65, uh, uh, yeah, 6,700 for Lockett, 6,500 for DK Metcalf, kind of threw me off because I'm looking at the DK pricing and then DK Metcalf as the name. I was like, wait, DK, DK? But uh, are, are you more inclined to get to both of them in the same lineup with Russell Wilson with the decreased pricing across the board? Yeah, so I think the decreased pricing gives us more of an opportunity to play both of them. I mean, I understand looking at history and the fact that he doesn't, they, they usually don't bo both go off in the same game, but this is football. We're dealing with small sample sizes always. I mean, just the fact that that hasn't really happened much in the past doesn't mean that it can't happen here. It's not like 
baseball where there's 162 games and we have this giant sample size of what the correlations are. Um, I think that you can get to both of them. I mean, I, I don't typically force in double stacks anyway, so I don't think that I'll force it, but I'm also not going to avoid playing Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf together in a Russell Wilson stack just because the prices are low enough that I think both of them could get there in this matchup. You can play all three of them at a relatively low salary. So I'm, I'm not opposed to getting to both of them in this spot. Yeah, and we have something similar looking at Tampa Bay. So you and I both talked about before that we really like Tom Brady as one of our quarterbacks to build around. Well, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are both positively leveraged receivers this week. It is a little bit hard maybe to fit both of them into the same lineup. And like I said before, I don't mind getting to Brashad Perriman at the flat minimum salary with Antonio Brown as a value play. But who do you look at as the top option to stack with Tom Brady in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers passing game? Yeah, so... They're pretty close. Um, I think that I would probably go Evans just because of the lower ownership. We've got Godwin project for a 13% ownership, but he has an 18.4% off the lineup probability. So that looks great at 7,100. And then Mike Evans, 8.7% projected ownership. 13.2% optimal lineup probability. Here's something that's just coming to me as we're, as we're talking about this. Do you have any concerns about if you double stack them, are you, do you think you're going to be forced to the cheaper Bills runbacks just because you're getting kind of expensive. If you're playing Tom Brady, Godwin, and Evans. Do you think you're ever going to get Diggs as a runback, or do you think it's always going to be Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders? And do you think there's a problem with the fact that you're kind of going to be forced to one type of build most likely if you're double stacking them? Yeah, so we do have Cole Beasley looking like a really good leverage play for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's just rating out as being under-owned for us, but we also have Stefan Diggs being over-owned. So that in itself kind of makes me think that Cole Beasley is a really good GPP play. Now, here's the other side of that. We've been a little bit too high on Cole Beasley for the last few weeks, and he's seen reduced target share ever since Dawson Knox has been healthy. So we saw, Dawson, we saw a slow start to the season for Cole Beasley. Dawson Knox gets hurt, and all of a sudden, Cole Beasley starts looking like Cole Beasley from last year. Dawson Knox comes back, and then we've got games in recent weeks where Cole Beasley, two targets, five targets, five targets, three targets. But I think we can maybe offset that just based on the game script of this game. We think there's going to be a lot of passing involved. The total is 54 points. So even if I'm a little skeptical of our projection on Cole Beasley, I still want to be overweight to him just considering all the circumstances. High ownership on Stefan Diggs, really high total, and a game I'm looking to stack anyway. So I do like Cole Beasley as a run back in that game a lot. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm on the same page. I like Cole Beasley as well. And if I'm not mistaken, I think his price has come down a bit too. I feel like it was 5,500, close to 6,000 last week. Um, so I think that it's come down a little bit. Uh, and I think that the upside is there, especially, as you said, with this game environment. So I, I do like Cole Beasley as well. I'm just thinking just, just in terms of the the stack itself was more of my concern of, is it going to be forced? Are you ever going to get digs as a run back if you play both Godwin and Evans? My guess is no, and maybe that's not a problem because that would be a lot of salary to one one game anyway. Um, just something to keep in mind. I can check. Just uh, I'm kind of curious now, based on the builds that I currently have, let's see, Tom Brady run backs. Who showed up in those stacks? A little bit of digs. A lot of Beasley. I got uh, Emmanuel Sanders popped up a lot in those builds too, though. Probably almost as equal as as Cole Beasley. I was getting to Emmanuel Sanders, so a few less lineups. But how, do you view Emmanuel Sanders as being a much weaker option than Cole Beasley? Uh, I think Beasley's slightly stronger, but I don't know. I have a massive differentiation between the two. Yeah, 
I mean, I think that he's weaker. Our, our tools say that he's weaker, but it's also proportional to ownership. So I think that he's also a solid play. We have Emmanuel Sanders coming in at only 3.1% projected ownership, but a 6.6% optimal line of probability. So I think that he's not quite as good of a play as Beasley, but I agree with you that they're not too far off just because it, it is proportionate to their projected ownership. Um, I think that they're both pretty solid plays. All right, so I think those are most of the guys I really like at the wide receiver position. Talked about Tyree Kill before, Travis Kelsey. I don't think those are bad guys to get to, but they're so expensive. I kind of just prefer them in lineups with Patrick Mahomes. What other wideouts are standing out to you? Yeah, so I agree. Yeah, Tyree Kill looks pretty great. Uh, Lockett and Metcalf. I said I'm going to be playing some Dak stacks. I think both CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper um, look really solid in the tools. I think I'm going to have plenty of both of those guys dj moore looks really good against the falcons today we haven't projected for 14.5 percent ownership with a 19.7 percent optimal line of probability 17 percent boom probability so i really like dj moore against the falcons i'll be getting some there um yeah i don't know that we have any other real standouts i mean we've got the falcons receivers both look okay russell gage and tajay sharp both look solid at really low ownership so they're kind of just ownership plays what about jarvis landry i mean i know that you've been a little bit lower on him in the past than the tools i'm guessing it's the same thing this week against the ravens we have jarvis Landry, 5400 10.2 projected ownership 15.3 percent boom probability 19.8 percent optimal lineup probability and i loved him a few weeks ago when they were playing the lions but i don't know that i like it quite as much against the ravens uh could you talk me into him talk me off and what do, what do you think about Jarvis Landry I just think we've been a little bit too high on him the matchup against the Ravens isn't ideal and sure he got he actually last week had his best game of the of the season against the um so the game he had let me see where could I find which was the oh actually so it was I it threw me off for a second they, they're playing the Ravens two games in a row so okay. they also wow. played again they also played against the Ravens last game and he was targeted 10 times. He had six catches for 111 yards, easily his biggest game of the season. But still, it's his best game of the season. He finishes with 19 DraftKings points in that game. And you look at the week before against the Lions, he had four catches for 26 yards. He just gets bailed out because he had a rushing, or uh, yeah, it was a rushing touchdown. He had for 16 yards. I think Landry is in play at his price point. I just don't like him nearly as much as our projections do. I, I think his depth of target is so low, and Baker Mayfield has struggled so much this year. Mm -hmm. That is hard for me to say like, hey, I'm building around Jarvis Landry. I've done it before. It didn't work out. And I, I feel like I've kind of learned lessons from that game. And that's that Jarvis Landry could see increased targets, but a lot of them are just going to be two, three yard targets. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm kind of on the same page. I'm going to be playing some for sure. I might even play more than 10% projected ownership just because the tools love him so much. But I feel like he's more of a high floor guy than a high ceiling guy just because he gets a lot of targets uh, historically. So I think... He's got a little bit of a higher floor, but yeah, he just hasn't really shown it this year as much as we'd, we'd want him to. So I don't know that I'm going to be getting too far above the field this week. Um, the other, I guess the, the last wide receiver I would bring up is Brandon Cooks. We've talked about how much I like the Seahawks sacks. I would imagine I'm going to get into plenty of Brandon Cooks as well um, as a runback. We've got him at 10.1% projected ownership, 10.2% boom probability, and then a 13.7% optimal lineup probability. So I like Brandon Cooks this week as well. Yeah, Brandon Cooks, I, I never think is a, a bad shout out. Even with Davis Mills was kind of good earlier in the year when he played. I, I think there's only been one 300-yard passing against the Patriots, and it was Davis Mills, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't know that this is some terrible situation for Brandon Cooks with Davis Mills taking over quarterback. We already talked about we liked the Seahawks as a contrarian stack. 
how about pairing Brandon Cooks in those stacks? I think that's not a bad way to go. I don't know if there's anybody else I'd want to roster on the Texas as a run back in those stacks than Brandon Cooks, which in itself is probably going to get to me a, a decent amount of them. Does, does that make sense? Or somebody else from Houston you'd really like as a run back? Yeah, no, I think I'm on the same page. I think I'm going to get into him just because I have the Seahawks a lot, uh, which can be problematic because then you're getting on the same builds as anybody else is doing the Seahawks stack, but he's just their best player by far. So I think that, yeah, I'll probably be getting plenty of Brandon Cooks in those stacks. Yeah, I don't want to be playing some crappy running back like Rex Burkhead, especially when we have so much value potentially at the running back position this week. Uh, so let's head on over to the tight end position now, Neil, and we've got no, we've got no Darren Waller this week. He's been ruled out. So on the high end of the pricing tier for tight ends, we have Travis Kelsey, we have Rob Gunkowski, we've got George Kittle, who who knows why the 49ers stopped throwing to George Kittle in the second half last week. His first half, he had it was, I think it was 125 yards and two touchdowns in the first half. Didn't utilize him as much in the second half. The offense sputtered. Who is your favorite option to pay up for at tight end this weekend? Yeah, so I think it's still probably going to be Travis Kelsey just because he's only 7,400. That's not a particularly high price for uh, Travis Kelsey. It's tough because Kittle also looks great. Gronk looks pretty good. Pitts looks pretty good. We, we have a lot of kind of higher end tight end options, but at the highest end, I think I slightly prefer Kelsey to George Kittle just because we've got uh, positive leverage in the, as far as his optimal lineup probability goes. Um, we think that that, you know, they're going to be putting up a lot of points. So I have a slight preference there for Travis Kelsey, but I kind of think you could go either way there. Do you have a preference between Kelsey and Kittle? Kelsey for me, mostly because I'm going to be getting to a lot more of Patrick Mahomes than I am of Jimmy Garoppolo, which then just naturally it's, Hey, I want to play more of, 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 of Kelsey. I, I find it really hard to trust Kittle just because of who his quarterback is. You and I both like Kittle last week. I thought he was a really good contrarian option. I think the field is going to be on him on a bigger way especially because right now we still have Darren Waller in our ownership projections. And when that updates, I think a lot of that ownership will just go towards George Kittle. So my preference here is going to be uh, Travis Kelsey. I do have going back to last week, something that I think could be a little bit of, of an interesting potential contrarian play at tight end. Everybody rostered Foster Moreau last week, myself included. It didn't go well. We've seen Foster Moreau play well as the starting tight end for the Raiders before. His last start before that, before the, the dud from last week, was week seven against the Philadelphia Eagles. We saw Darren Waller was a late scratch in that game. Foster Moreau started at tight end. He caught six pass, passes for 60 yards and a touchdown. I think people might jump off of Foster Moreau because of his dud from last week. How do you like getting back on him? Because in theory, he's the same play he, this week as he was last week. Yeah, I mean, I like him a lot better as a result of the fact that he put up a dud last week because it is going to drive people away from him. But we know that he can do it. We've seen him have the big weeks before. So I think that I'm going to like Foster Moreau a lot better this week than last week as a result. They're going to be needing to throw the ball against the Chiefs most likely. Um, I don't actually, I'm, I can't find him in the tool. So I don't know what his price tag is. I'm assuming he's still pretty cheap. Um, so yeah, I think that Foster Moreau could be a really sneaky, good option. I think that he is uh, somebody who's definitely going to be on my radar this week against the Chiefs. Yeah, and uh, a question right here from Greg Reppa. How does Kittle bust? Uh, because Jimmy Garoppolo plays poorly. Like that's that's the way George Kittle busts is that his, his quarterback sucks and his quarterback plays up to his talent level. And if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't play well, then it's going to be hard for George Kittle to play well. I still think that George Kittle is a very good GPP option, but we're just talking about who our favorite is. And it's Travis Kelsey for me, just because Travis Kelsey 
as a favorable matchup against the Raiders. And there's not that big of a price gap between Kelsey and Kittle. So I lean towards Kelsey slightly over Kittle. I'll probably be overweight to both of them, though, if I'm being totally honest. Uh, the guy that I'm not sure what to make of is Gronk. I have not played a whole ton of Rob Gronkowski this, this year. I can't believe how good he looks. He looked fairly washed the last couple of years we saw him. Now, all of a sudden, he looks like peak Rob Gronkowski. How does he stack up for you compared to the likes of Kelsey and Kittle? Yeah, I mean, Gronk, look, Gronk looks solid. We've got him at 10% projected ownership, 12.8% boom probability, 9.8% optimal lineup probability. Uh, I should say that I, I've just uh, refreshed the tool, and it looks like these numbers are different than what I have on my on my sheet. So Kelsey is no longer positive leverage, um, but still looks like a solid play. Um, but Gronk still looks like he's mostly a neutral play. I mean, he, like I said, he's, his optimal lineup probability is a little bit under his ownership projection, but we love we love that stack. We think that it's going to be a high-scoring game. So I think I'm still going to be getting to plenty of Gronk at 6,000, which is funny because Gronk is a guy that I was really sour on pretty early in the year. He was a guy that I kept on. I was like, I don't want to play Gronk. I'm not going to play Gronk. And he just kept going off and killing me. So I think at this point, I'm going to let him kill me the opposite way. I'm going to play him and watch him put up, you know, two catches for 30 yards. Um, but <laughs> how about you? Do you think you're going, to, you're going to be getting to some Gronk? Because I like Tom Brady, he'll be in stacks. I don't think I'm going to be playing him outside of stacks, though. I think that in lineups that don't have Tom Brady, it's he's just not that much less expensive than guys like George Kittle or Travis Kelsey. And I'd rather just find the space to pay for them than get to Gronk in stacks with Brady, yes, but as a standalone option, less so. Okay, yep. I think probably probably the same page. We're going to be playing plenty, plenty of those stacks anyway, so... Uh, I think it's, I think I'm probably going to get in most of my Gronk and stacks as well. I think that's a reasonable assumption. Uh, and then the, the last tight end who I wanted to highlight for me is uh, somebody we talked about already, but Jared Cooks, a lot of target share available in that Chargers offense with Keenan Allen not playing. So Jared Cooks, who's really cheap on FanDuel and DK, I think that he's a good option to get to in tournaments. Still, my preference is to pay up at the tight end position. But uh, Jared Cooks, I know that you had said that you also were on the, on the same page earlier. We were talking about Justin Herbert. Uh, we were amending some of the QBs we liked. But any any other tight ends that, that we should be talking about here? Yeah, I'm 100% with you on Jared Cook. He just looks incredible in the tools. 7.4% projected ownership with a 16.8% boom probability. 13.6% optimal lineup probability. Uh, other than, I mean, we've talked about all the expensive guys. Gerald Everett looks really good in the tools. We have him projected for 5.1% ownership with a 9.9% boom probability, 9.4% optimal lineup probability. And then Anthony Ferkser looks really good in the tools this week. Sort of surprisingly, given how bad uh, Ryan Tannehill has been, but only projected for 1.1% ownership with 6.8% boom probability, 6.6% optimal lineup probability. So I have some interest in Anthony Ferkser, um, but we'll see how those things kind of change when Foster Moreau comes into play. He might uh, tamp down some of those uh, numbers for the cheaper tight ends. I think those are the main guys that I'm interested in, though. Yeah, I, I think we're pretty much on the same page there. Defenses, sorry, we've ran out of time for you. I don't want to talk about defenses anyway. I hate you with a passion. Uh, any defenses that are massively important to you that you want to shout out? If not, we could close with our favorite stacks of the week. Yeah, let's go to stacks. All right. So guys, do us a favor, like this video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Lots of more content coming up. We've got a big MMA card, MMA Live before lock will be on later today. We've also got the NBA Deeper Dive, NBA Live before lock. But without further ado, we like to close out the show by saying if you guys were playing, or Neil, if you were playing a single entry GPP lineup and you could only make one stack, who would be the quarterback and the pass catching options you'd go to this weekend? I think I'd go to Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. 
I How like it. I do. I do like that a lot. That's certainly one of the ones that's on my mind. I think that's the top contrarian option. I'm going to go to Tom Brady with Chris Godwin and Brashad Perriman. I think Perriman, somebody who I end up getting to, it's not hard to get over with to field on him. He's 2% owned, but if I'm really, really trying right. to get, yeah, if I'm really trying to get different with my Tampa Bay stacks, I think Perriman makes sense. There's still no Antonio Brown there. We've seen him have success as a high upside player in the past, extreme boomer bust option, but for min price in tournaments, that's kind of something I find appealing. So that's going to be a stand of the week for me. I think I'm going to get double digit exposure to Brashad Perriman and uh, hopefully he doesn't suck. So that is a good way to sign off the show. Hopefully Brashad Perriman doesn't suck this week. Good luck to all of you guys. Like this video, subscribe to the channel on the way out. Have a good weekend.